Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, happy Father's Day. Wasn't that a great video that we just saw together? And guys, I want to take a moment to celebrate you. I want to start with the dads, the fathers, the grandfathers, but all of you that are mentors, those of you that are uncles, and those of you that are coaches. Guys, thanks for all that you do to pour into the lives of the kids that God has put into your sphere of influence. And today I am excited because when I think about Father's Day, you know, as a dad and now a grandfather, I have to tell you that one of the greatest blessings of my life has been to be loved by so many kids and to love so many children that God has placed in my life. And, and I've got to go back and tell you a story that I think is the perfect dad story on Father's Day. And I, I know, guys, you can picture this. Has there ever been a moment in your life that you thought, especially as a very young dad, that you were going to get one of those rare moments to yourself? This guy had decided that he was going to be able to craft the best ham and cheese sandwich that had ever been built. He put all this beautiful ham on it. He put the cheese. He put the lettuce. He added a tomato. And then, believe it or not, his favorite thing was the mustard. And he just caked that mustard on. It was huge. And he was about to take a bite when he heard his wife say, Honey, I need you to hold Jimmy for just a few minutes. Now, they had a six-week-old son. It was their first child. Well, this dad was excited. He loved being a dad, even though it had only been just a short time. So he, he took that sandwich, and he laid it down on the plate, and he thought, I can do both. I'll go get Jimmy, and I'll hold him, and then I'll take this sandwich, and I will be able to get my first bite. So he went, he got his son, he's got him in the crook of his arm. Guys, I know, you can figure this out. You dads, grandfathers, uncles, you got this, man. You got the big arm, he's got Jimmy in the crook of his elbow, and he's going to take a bite of this beautiful ham and cheese sandwich and then he noticed he had some mustard on his hand and so he thought I love mustard no big deal I put a lot on I missed it he couldn't see a napkin anywhere Jimmy's in his arm life is good and he thought I'll just lick it off and so he went and he licked it off the problem was it wasn't mustard Come on, I can remember those days, guys, when, when the babies had to have a diaper change. It, it looks a lot like what? 
mustard. But his wife couldn't help herself. She walked into the room and she saw that her husband had put the baby down and he's doing the shoe shine thing on his tongue with the, with the dishcloth. And she, she said, what happened? He told her she was beautiful. She was amazing. Her timing was perfect. She said, well, honey, why do you think they call that mustard poupon? Come on now. I know you're laughing. I, I, I got, I've got some great friends in the house this morning with me. They're laughing. Either that or they look somewhat sick. I'm not sure which it is. Guys, come on. I, I don't care if, if you've been a dad a short amount of time, you become an empty nester. It doesn't matter to me if you're a foster dad, maybe you're an adopted dad, or you're, you're just pouring into your nieces and nephews. Listen. There is nothing like the experience of having these incredible blessings we call children. Reverend Billy Graham, he pegged it. He said, parenting is the most important responsibility most of us will ever face, and none of us do it perfectly. Is it all right if, guys, can we have a no-guilt only guts Sunday. Can we have a, a no guilt, only guts Sunday? I've been parenting, I've been a dad, I've been pastoring for years, and I want to give you seven life lessons that have really impacted my life. But I've learned them the, the hard way. Sometimes they've been beautiful, and yet they are incredible life lessons that I believe every man needs especially when God entrusts you with children to care for. Now, because there's seven, what a beautiful, biblical, perfect number. But because there's seven, I'm just going to touch on them. It's a no guilt Sunday, but it is a gut Sunday. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to pick one or two that God's going to speak to you about right now. Maybe you have a deep relationship with God. Maybe you have come to a point where you're mad at God and you don't even think that God is real, that's okay. Somehow, if you've joined us, remember, we believe in transformation, but it starts with one step at a time. And so, again, I just want you to hone in. I'm gonna go quickly, and I'm gonna give you these seven man lessons that have changed my life, and it'll change yours too, if we'll put them into practice. And remember, practice makes perfect, but none of us are. So here's number one. Real men are fearless leaders. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This passage of scripture is the culmination of Joshua's incredible leadership. Over a lifetime, Joshua was the number two man until he was probably into his 40s. He was the assistant to Moses. God did not allow Moses to cross into the promised land, but Joshua was the man that was chosen 
to lead God's children into Israel or what would become Israel. And what is so important to understand is that before there was ever a country we know as Israel, before there was even any settlement in what they knew as the promised land, Joshua was a fearless leader that realized something. The greatest distraction and detriment to God's people was idol worship. There were all kind of other people that were worshiping idols. It makes perfect sense to me. When I was in India a couple of years ago, and I was blown away by how many different gods and goddesses many of the people uh, worshipped in this huge country of India. It, it just was mind-blowing to me. In fact, as Kay and I were uh, actually on a tour, there was a door with a symbol on it, and when I asked the guide, what is that symbol for? He said, it is a welcoming to all the gods and goddesses that want to come into this house. I had to wrap my head around it, but then I thought of these words. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Guys, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what age, because think about it, Joshua is an older man when he calls everybody together. No matter where you are in your life, I have a question. Who are you following? And whoever you're following, your family is following. Whoever you're following, your family is following. And if you don't really know who you're following, your wife, your children, the people in your household, they don't have a direction. If you're lost, they are too. Real men understand that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have to be fearless leaders. It reminds me of the time that I was flying on a plane from Pittsburgh to Baltimore, and as I sat beside a woman and she heard that I was a pastor, she asked me on that early morning flight, what did I do for a living? And I, I have had made a lot of people cry, but not by just telling them I'm a pastor. And the moment I said I was a pastor, she began to cry and unpack her story for the next 50 minutes between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. But here's what I heard. We all went to church as a family, but as my boys got older, my husband no longer wanted to go. And then one day they said to me, if dad isn't going to go to church, then do we have to go? And she was broken because their family was divided. Men, it's a no guilt Sunday, but it's a gut Sunday. First man lesson. Real men are fearless leaders. Is that you? Are you a fearless leader for God? Which brings us to the next lesson. I've learned over time that real men pray and courageously trust in Jesus. Look at this passage of scripture from Philippians 4. Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I boil this down for us? Something simple. 
All men will struggle with anxiety. Let's just unpack that for a minute. Lately, because of COVID, I, I've been hearing about men who are like, uh, I don't get anxious, I, I don't have problems, and I realized, can I just talk about myself for this, this brief moment? I have been more stressed and more anxious over the last two years during COVID than ever before. In fact, I just want to stop and say, guys, I've gone to my doctor to get healthy about this, and I want to encourage you to do the same for this reason. Real men pray, and we courageously trust in Jesus, but we need the help of other people. We need the help of other people to pray for us. We need the help of, of doctors who can pour into us, counselors that can help us. And guys, more than ever, listen to me, it is gutless to think that you don't need help. That's gutless. It takes guts to say, I'm going to pray and courageously trust in Jesus. And it's been my men's group online. I've been leading a men's group uh, over the last few months. We're on a Zoom together, uh, taking a little summer break, but every Monday night we've been together, and it is the courageous prayers of these men that have made such a difference in my life. And I want to tell you, as a dad and a father, it's prayer that I can actually see the thread through my life. I saw it when my son fell off the change table. We prayed for him, and miraculously, what the doctor said was detrimental to him he has. He was fine. He was healed. I saw it when my uh, youngest daughter was going to go to college, and her audition tape was lost. And we were praying, and instead of just simply being told she was admitted into the music program, my daughter Mary was actually moved up the list because God took a, a, a situation of confusion and by bathing it in prayer, things began to turn around. All of my children married, and I have been praying for their spouses from the day my children were in the womb. Let me tell you this. Real men pray and courageously trust in Jesus, especially when it doesn't make any sense. Let me give you the third man lesson. Real men ask for and give forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 is simple. But boy, when you read it, guys, it's, it's like the one-two knockout punch because it is so direct. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, are you ready? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This was a tough lesson for me to learn, and let me tell you why. Men are tough. Men, men can't give up any ground. Men have to stand up against a difficult world. Guys, I get it. I've been cussed at. My life has been threatened three or four times as a pastor. I've had a gun pulled on me. I, I get where you're at in a crazy world, and it's not any better. But I want you to know this. If you've really got the guts, this is what Paul writes. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Now here's a truth that's hard to wrap our minds around. We can't forgive others as God has forgiven us if we don't have a personal relationship with God. The only way that we know how to forgive others is because God forgives us and we know that we don't deserve it 
And yet in God's incredible grace, he gives us this wonderful forgiveness. But guys, I gotta tell you something else before I move on. Real men realize that it's easier to forgive first than it is to, for, to ask for forgiveness last. Can I say it again? Real men realize it's easier to forgive first than to ask for forgiveness last. My daughter Melissa, nobody had more luggage, more clothes, more stuff than my sweet baby that I call sis. And after Christmas, with all the gifts and all the stuff that she had and new clothes and a friend riding in her small compact car, I told Melissa, you and, and, and your friend, you got to get it all together so we get the car packed. Well, guys, I don't know if you've ever been frustrated trying to get all your kids' stuff packed into one vehicle, but as we were working on it, somehow I broke a sweat in January packing a car in Pennsylvania. And I, in frustration, all of a sudden, I heard myself say this to my beautiful, beautiful daughter, Melissa. If you're not going to be able to get everything in your car to be able to go back, maybe you shouldn't come home. Whoa. Who was that man? What crazy man person? And I looked at her face, and immediately I saw terror. I saw brokenheartedness, and I saw my own stupidity. Can we just have a Father's Day message right here? And you know what I realized? Because of the beautiful grace of God, God has forgiven me on so many occasions when I didn't deserve it. I looked at her and I go, Sis, I don't know where it came from, but I said, please, and I hugged her. She's starting to cry. I said, baby, I didn't mean it. It just came out of my mouth. Will you forgive me? And Melissa has always been my beautiful forgiver. She's quick. She goes, Dad, I forgive you, but why would you say it? We reconciled. But guys, I got to tell you something. Here's the real problem in our world today. Men don't know how to ask for forgiveness first. We're waiting for everybody else to do it. And I got to tell you, if you've got great women in your life, most of them know how to ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness first. Can you learn from the woman or the women? Man, I'm surrounded by women. And I got to tell you, this is one of the most important things. It takes no guts. It takes zero guts to simply think you're right. But real men ask for and give forgiveness. Let's do the next one. Number four, real men love their wives and care for themselves. Wow, could I unpack this? But here's Ephesians. This is Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. And guys, I'm about to teach you two things that really should be an entire series. Maybe I'll actually come back and, and do this one. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now this part of the verse is just as important. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, 
but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Listen, here is this incredible insight. Real men, number one, love their wives. Now, I want you to understand something from the scripture. This is why it needs a whole unpack, but just hear me on this. I'm going to give you two insights. Here's the first. Guys, your wife is never told to love you. Did you know it? Ladies, you're excited, aren't you? You're at home, you're thinking, I knew it. I didn't have to love this man. You're not told to love him. You're told to respect him. And guys, do you know what you're told by the Apostle Paul? Directly from God. You are to love your wife as Christ loves the church. In fact, I want to say this to all dads on Father's Day. Can I just expand this? It is for husbands and wives, but guys, we have to love the women in our lives as Christ loves the church. And how much do you love the bride? He gave himself up for her. Now, the women don't have to love their men back. Now, they will. They will. But here's the deal. Most men, in fact, if not all men I've ever met, they want respect more than they want love. They want to be respected. They want to know that they are everything to the women in their lives. Right, guys? Come on. But you know what we get, guys? When we love our wives as Christ loves the church and sacrificed everything for her, do you know what we get in return? Not only her respect, but guess what the, the women in your life will give you, especially your wife. She'll give you her love. I have a question, guys. Are you loving the wife? Are you loving the women, the children, the female children in your lives? Are you loving them as Christ loves the church unconditionally? Are you agape your wife, the, the, the woman that God, the women that God had placed in your life? Are you loving them unconditionally and C.S. Lewis brings out an insight that's unforgettable. He writes, and hang on, it, it's going to take me a couple of slides, but just hone in. As nature crowns man in that brief action, so the Christian law has crowned him in the permanent relationship of marriage, bestowing, or should I say, inflicting a certain hardship on him. The husband is the head of the wife just insofar as he is to her what Christ is to the church. Now hang on to this, guys. He is to love her as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. This headship, then, is most fully embodied, not in the husband we should all wish to be, but in him whose marriage is most like a crucifixion, whose wife receives most and gives least is most unworthy of him, is in her own mere nature least lovable. For the church has no beauty but what the bridegroom gives her. He does not find but makes her lovely. Now, if you've really heard this, somebody's mad. Somebody's ticked off. But a lot of you are going, I just didn't know what he, what, what's he saying. Okay, let me give it to you. The role of the husband to love the wife, and by the way, how you love your wife is how you'll love your children. Did you hear that, guys? How you love your wife is how you love your children. Or the children entrusted to your care. And here's what Lewis is saying. Jesus loved his bride so much he died for her. It was a sacrifice. Do you know what Jesus 
wants us to do as men is to realize we should always be the ones giving most. You know why? Because most women, most wives want to give. They want to be the ones to give. In fact, I've seen a lot of women give so much more to their husbands and their families than they're receiving. But you know what Lewis is saying? And it's so true because it's echoed in Ephesians. Paul says this, we are to love our wife. That's our role. Now, let me stop. Again, maybe this is what I'm going to preach on in the next couple of weeks. But here's what I need you to understand. You are equal partners, husbands and wives, but you have different roles. Guys, hear me. Hear me on this. Don't say that your wife's role is to love you the way that you love her. Your role is to love her as Christ loves the church. Her role is to respect you. Give her a man that she can respect. Give her a man that she can love. Give her a man that she can give her life to. Don't make your your spouse be the spiritual leader of your home. And don't say that you're both equal spiritual leaders of your home because, guys, you are the spiritual leader of your household. Be it. Do it. It takes no guts to give your role away to your wife. It takes guts to be the man that God has called you to be. By the way, I told you there were two lessons, right? I wish I just had more time for it, but this is the one that makes me feel the most guilty. As I take care of my body, I am able to take care of my my family, my wife, my children. In fact, did you hear what Paul wrote? He said, a man feeds and cares for his body. Look at me. I feed and care for my body. Do you see this? There aren't enough real men, are there? We, we're all trying to figure out how to make sure we're not losing our hair and, and we're thinner. Man, I'm not nearly as thin as I was on the day I got married. I'm working on it. But last night I had a piece of cheesecake. You know what I'm saying? But listen, guys, we need to care for ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Do you know why? Because we need to be around for these women, these children. Because you know what I want you to know, whether you hear it today or not on Father's Day, you're needed. Okay, I spent a long time on that one. Let me give you the next one. Man lesson number whatever it is. Real men love their children unconditionally. One verse, this is Ephesians chapter 6. It's very simple and straightforward. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The word exasperate means this. Stop pushing their buttons and provoking them. I loved to tease my children growing up. I did. And I love to tease the people in my life now. I'm sarcastic. If you've been around me at all, I've got this gift of sarcasm which doesn't always go over. And I can remember one time that I was teasing my youngest daughter, Mary, relentlessly, and then all of a sudden this woman named Kay showed up, her mother, and said, leave the baby alone. Dads, listen to this. This is crucial. Have fun with your kids. Love your kids. Play with your kids. That's a whole lesson in and of itself. Work is not nearly as important 
as pouring into your kids, and it doesn't last forever, this time that you have with them. But I want you to hear me on this one, guys. Don't exasperate them. I've had to learn, and, and, and I've got this great perspective, how I had to parent when my children were younger is different how I'm asked to parent now that they're adults. And don't ever think that parenting stops when they become adults. I literally thought that. I thought now that they're adults, I'm going to be able to back out some. And then I realized I'm leaning in. Sometimes they ask and sometimes they don't. But I'm still leaning in because I love them and I care about them. And Tony Evans is right. Never underestimate your role as a father. Remember, dads, that your children's view of God will largely be dependent on their view of you. And can I just add to that before I go on? Guys, adopted fathers, foster care fathers, coaches, mentors, grandfathers, dads, uncles, surrogate dads, your children learn most about God from the community that God has placed them in. Let's have some guts and be real men of God. Here's the next one. Real men humbly admit they're not perfect. This is number six. Man lesson number six that I've had to learn. And this one's incredible. Philippians, now if you know me, you know this is a go-to verse for me. People hear it usually at least once a year around BWC. Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, before we move from that scripture, I want you to understand this. Some versions say, and I really like this translation better, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Here's our next man lesson. Real men humbly admit they're not perfect. Now, I need to, guys, I wish I could take more time if you're the kind of guy, there are a few of these, but if you're the kind of guy that you're always telling everybody you're sorry, you're sorry, you're sorry, you're sorry, you're not really sorry. It, it's, it's a bad habit, just like all the men who never say they're sorry. Those are extremes and bad habits. Real men humbly admit that, like Paul, they aren't perfect. And I really want you to, to hang on to this Think of it this way. Paul writes this. I'm not perfect. Forget it and press on. Can you guys say that with me at home? I'm not perfect. Forget it and press on. One more time. I'm not perfect. Forget it and press on. The greatest way that we learn life lessons as dads, men, are our, our men lessons, the greatest way that we learn them is, is through trial and error. We try not to make the same mistakes. I know you guys, hang in there. This is a day of grace. We, we need to own our junk. One of my favorite phrases, just own your junk. Stop thinking it's everybody else's fault. Men humbly admit 
that they're not perfect. In fact, you know what would be a great exercise for all guys today? Grab the kids, no matter their ages, hug your wife, girlfriend, fiance, and just say, listen, I know I'm not perfect. Thanks for putting up with me. It would be good for all of us. Because here's the deal. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, none of us are perfect. And Paul says this. you got to let go of the past in order to live in the present. And that empowers us to see a hopeful future. And that's why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we need to humbly admit. But if there's an opposite that men struggle with, it's pride. We become very prideful, and we think we're being manly. Pride is not a manly thing. Now, the kind of pride that you have in your your wife, your kids, your family, your, your nieces, your nephews, that's beautiful. Celebrate the socks off of them, okay? But the kind of pride that says, I'm a man. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. I, I, I don't have to admit I'm wrong. That's gutless. Come on, guys. We need to humbly admit that we're not perfect. And here, believe it or not, we're at number seven. Real men love God. <laughs> Let me do it again. Real men love because God loved us. Now, see, when I first wrote it, I, I wrote on, on my computer, I said, men love God. And, and then I thought, wait, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit was working on me. Men, we have to realize we love God because God first loved us. But look at this passage of Scripture. Let me give you this. This is the last one, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I did add one more verse, 1 John 3, 9. John writes, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Guys, the most important decision that you can make is to love Jesus. Now, can I, can I just get in your head just a minute, maybe in your heart? I know some of the guys in the room have really been disappointed with the way that life has turned out. It's not the way that you planned it. You've had love and you've had loss. You've struggled through. It's rocked your world. You don't know if you can believe, is there a God? I get it. I totally get it. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I haven't had moments of highs and lows where I'm trying to figure out who God is. But I go back into the archives of blessing and I realize two things. Number one, the word of God is true. And I just want you to hear me on this. I've been living this life for a long time and I have tried and tested the word of God and it is true. I can go back and tell you time after time after time how I've prayed and God has answered prayer. And, and it's just true. But you won't know that if you don't try it. And, and if you're hurt, if you're mad at God, you've been told there isn't a God. There's a lot of podcasts you can find on that these days. But listen, I want to just lovingly encourage you. Can I give you just a little push? Just come back into his presence and ask for his help. He's always there. You know why? Because he loves first. But there's another reason that I know that God loves us. This is the 
Last uh, big family picture we had, uh, this is uh, at my youngest daughter's uh, wedding. I think you can pick out which one's getting married. She's in the beautiful white dress. That's my youngest, Mary. And then, uh, I don't know if you can figure out who her husband is, our new son-in-law, but he's the one that I'm almost as tall as. Oh, wait a minute, maybe not. This is, that's Mitchell, and of course, Mitchell is the tallest now in our family. There's, there's no doubt about it. And you, there's Matt and his wife, Samantha, Kay, by Mary, Mitchell, that good-looking guy in the suit there, that's me, my daughter, Melissa, and her husband, Jason, and our two beautiful granddaughters, Emma and Lucy. Now, I want you to know this, and I, I, I want you to hear me. Do you know how you're going to see God the most? Is by being loved by people who love God. That's how I've found God is most real. Is by being loved by people who love God. And I wish I could give you 50 more pictures. If I could, I'd give you pictures of our family going through difficult times and fun times. I'd show you pictures of people that I love, like Pastor Liz and, and, and uh, Tracy, our office manager. I'd talk about pastors and staff that we've had before, uh, and I'd show you pictures of, of some of you, if not all of you, if I could, because it, it's all of you, online and in the house, and my family and my friends who have taught me and shown me that the greatest gift I've ever been given is to be loved by God through others. And you know why? <laughs> it's because, beyond a shadow of a doubt, real men love God because God loves us. All right, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet at home. Come on now. Stand, stand to your feet. But I, I don't want you to hold your hands out unless you're alone. And remember, you're never alone. We're with you. So don't forget that. You're not alone. But what I want you to do is if there's folks in the house with you, go grab them. If somebody escaped the message today and they're another part of the house, grab them. Most important part of the morning on this Father's Day. And maybe, maybe you're watching on a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever. Just grab some folks that you love, put your arms around them, and let me pray for you. God, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are so blessed, and I have learned seven life lessons as a man that have changed my life. I challenged the men to really grab a hold of one or two that you have spoken to their hearts about to work on. Maybe there's some women listening to this that are saying, I really need my husband to grab number two, or I wish my husband, and I'm praying my husband would understand number seven. God, in your infinite love and wisdom, Help us on this Father's Day to put all of our trust in you. And because we have a heavenly Father who loves us, remind us, God, we're never alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Have a phenomenal celebration. And never forget, I love you. Take heart and be transformed. We'll see you soon. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below 
And you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world.